0: Undad is part of the Alberta Podcast Network and is powered by ATB. Hi, everybody. My name is Trent Wilkie, and this is the Undad Podcast. This is a podcast about being a parent in this bizarro modernity. Also, it's about teamwork, because how else are you going to make a dream work? Hey, you dingleberries. <laughs>
1: This episode is titled, Never Ever Use It As An Excuse. Hi, my name's Owen Briley, and I'm currently the executive director of the Edmonton Digital Arts College. Uh, I am DJ Deaf Boy, and uh, we'll talk a bit about that. I, uh, I've i been an actor, a director, uh lifeguard, and uh dad, amongst many other things, but you know. <laughs> I, I finish with that because it's one of the one of my favorite things to be.
0: When because you and I were talking, I want to revisit what you had told me about. So you have twenty five percent hearing. Could you explain to me again how your mom taught you using a balloon how to speak? And this is you were in, you were at one or two years old at the time when yeah, she started well, to realize? I, I, about two or so. So. Yeah.
1: Um, uh, My mom had the suspicion, because it ran in the family, that uh, I might have some kind of hearing deficit. And so she reached out to a friend of hers who was a speech pathologist and said, I think this is going on with my my baby Mm -hmm. Uh, because at at two – uh, and back in the 1970s, very early 1970s, uh, doctors, medical community just didn't have the tools to diagnose this kind of thing. So it was sort of like, we'll wait and see. Yeah. Um, and so uh, she reached out to her friend and said, is there anything I can do just to kind of help him? Uh, and so her friend said, well, babies are natural mimics, so get a balloon. And uh, then just make sounds in the balloon and hold the balloon up to his face mm-hmm. so that he can feel the sound on his face. That's amazing. And, um, and so as a, a mimic, I would just make the sound back into the balloon to, to reflect back what I was feeling, hearing. Because yeah. I, I do have some hearing, but it, it's all in the very low uh, frequency range. Yeah. What I don't hear is in the upper frequencies. So, yeah. uh, unvoiced consonants and birds and whistling and you know very very high pitched things I, mm-hmm. I I struggle with. But lower frequency stuff, you know, vowels and, and those sorts of things I can I can hear them mm-hmm. relatively speaking. But you know, um, it was it, the the whole balloon game really helped. And then of course my mom would do the speech. Reading thing where she'd make sure she was over enunciating words so that I could um, so that I could say them correctly back to her. Yeah. And as I was learning to speak, um, amusingly, there's all kinds of words that, that I miss here. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I was I, I think I was about eleven years old before I realized there was a difference between cheesing and teasing. because i always thought when uh when someone was like harassing me or something i'd look at them go stop cheesing me (laughs) right and i was like like, well well, i I gotta i gotta do it more now stop being so (laughs) cheesy you're cheesing me right and somebody corrected me and and said it's teasing i was like teasing that's what you do with your hair yeah right what do you that makes no sense Jeez, is a oh, it's so argumentative. <laughs> <laughs> so, and what was really interesting was it wasn't until I was in theater school mm-hmm. um, in, in at McEwen in the theater arts program. I had uh, the great Walter Kaza as mm-hmm. a, a a voice and diction teacher, and he talked about the various resonators in in your your uh, your face, and uh, and what I realized was. This balloon exercise actually helped me discover my frontal resonance. Huh. And I as a, as a growing up with this, this is something that you naturally discover as a hearing person. Yeah. But so many deaf people, it's not the thing you feel. What you feel when you're making sound is all your your back resonators, you know you in the throat and in the back of your head. So you tend to hear uh, what's called a deaf accent with people who have severe, Hearing impairment and that's you know
0: that's what that is exactly because i know and, exactly what you're talking about, exactly right? yeah. and
1: and you know I, I experimented i can i can do a great deaf accent um <laughs> <laughs> i get in a lot of trouble for doing it but you know no i'm legit <laughs> right? but, no it's real yeah. um but no it, it was the the realization of of that that uh that sort of made me, me think holy smokes am i ever fortunate that my mom was so creative and yeah. so innovative to realize that this was going on with with her child., yeah. and then she she did the things that were necessary to kind of pave the way for what has been um, uh, a a hearing person's life. You know, I've kind of been faking my way through. Yeah. You know, I'm this deaf guy who is who people don't believe who is deaf. They're like, Ah, you can hear, yeah. you're fine. Yeah. You know. I had I did have a, a, a singing coach once who in frustration looked at me and said, Just listen harder <laughs> And I'm like Hmm. <laughs> Just be I- taller. I- if you can help me get there, <laughs> yeah. you will be a miracle worker because, you know, uh, last I checked, the ear is not a muscle. Yeah. Right.
0: That must have been so satisfying for your mother to be able to bring something and use something and see a tool and see it succeed. With working with you, she you're...
1: and and she worked really hard with me because yeah. um, we had a number of. As I was growing up, of course, in the seventies, there was certain stigmas associated with deaf and dumb, and and mm-hmm. you know, any time I showed up as this little kid in grade one, two, or three, um, I you know I was a n- typical kid, yeah. right? Uh, and so, uh, so the teachers would go, "Oh, he's deaf, or he's hard of hearing." Yeah. So, in fact, living we lived in Prince George for a while and we had this one teacher, uh, I think I was in grade two, mm-hmm. uh, who decided that uh, I didn't belong at the front of the classroom because I was hard of hearing. I belonged at the back of the classroom because I was hard of hearing. And being further away from the teacher was a smarter thing to do than bringing, you know, Someone who could benefit from being in close proximity. Because the ear
0: is a muscle. And if, and if you listen harder, you will become hearing perfect.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: That's why I'm a scientist. I just I just I just know this stuff. Uh, so you're you can lip read very well.
1: I do lip read. Yeah. Uh, I I do a combination of the two. So, yeah. you know, whenever people play the elephant shoes game yeah. with me, I'm like, Yeah, I love you too. So, you yeah. know.
0: <laughs> Have you ever used your powers for evil?
1: Uh, <laughs> Do you ever sit across the room? Did you ever sit across
0: the room and you see two you people? You told me blocking? I could pass, right? No, I... <laughs> <laughs> not on this one.
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, interestingly enough, um, I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily evil, but certainly to my advantage. Yeah. Because uh, you're um, not evil, right? Well, oh, you know, it, 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 evil is... Uh, relative, isn't it? What's
0: your what's your natural D and D character? What do you what do you go for when you play? Oh,
1: D&D? I'm I'm kind of uh chaotic neutral. Huh. And uh I I like being more on the sleight of hand um you know I, I, I'm not a polar type, Okay. Okay. You know, I, I, I the, the the paladins I and all s- those I don't
0: sense evil but no, 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 I'm no. incredibly dumb. So <laughs> I might just be reading you wrong. But that must be interesting like it must be like always uh, lip reading I always just thought was like a little bit of magic right like you just sure yeah, yeah.
1: And, and in fact we all do it yeah uh, every hearing person does some lip reading mm-hmm. um, I just have to do more yeah because I don't hear those high frequency sounds yeah um, and in fact um, my my lovely wife Pam and I we uh, were we were at the gas station and needed to put uh air in the tires. Yeah. And uh, and I said, ah, I could do it. I'm you know, I'm the guy, I'll get out and I'll I'll put air in the tires. I almost played a boxer on the and, CBC I can do this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, and so she uh and she was standing beside me and and um she's like badgering at me while I'm I've got the, the thing plugged in and, yeah. and she's like You're letting all the air out. You're letting all the air out yeah. I was like, what do you mean? I'm just trying to fill the thing back and forth and then she's like it's making this hiss sound of the air coming out not the other sound of the air going in. I'm like I don't hear either of them. <laughs> you take over. She's like, <laughs> she's like She didn't Fine, talk to I'll you for it. a week. <laughs> <laughs> um you have
0: your children. You have two? Yeah, I have two daughters. Two daughters? Uh, Naomi and Molly. Uh,
1: they are both adults now okay uh Naomi is has just started her fourth year of her design degree program at the U of a nice uh, and Molly just graduated from our digital media production program at uh, the Edmonton digital arts college
0: that's awesome how are how are they' hearing oh
1: they're they're fine yeah, yeah. yeah they're they're uh they're deaf when they want to be
0: huh <laughs> like deaf as a man that's deaf or like
1: uh no they they just turn off oh okay (laughs) i didn't hear what you said yeah sure yeah right (laughs) um amusingly my youngest naomi uh she is much more the the subtle uh, and quiet wit okay um and uh she she would play dad's deafness to her advantage Mm -hmm. because her younger sister was much more outgoing and would make bigger noise. So as little children, Naomi would whisper things to her sister that would piss her sister off and Molly would just erupt and, you know, you're a dad, right? You you go for whichever (laughs) the noisiest (laughs) source is, right?
0: I'm going to fire it all over your pillows. (laughs) I'm going to blow my nose in your hair when you're sleeping. (laughs) die <laughs> right? Totally.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. So uh, you had shown me your—I don't oh, yeah. even know what to call it. Okay, it's a, so
1: this—it's uh, like a necklace, a fancy
0: now. technological necklace. My tech
1: necklace. Yeah. yeah. Techless. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> my techless. That's nope, it's mine. No. I already got it. I already got it. <laughs> you, can't, you can't. You can't. Bogart my
0: portmanteaus.
1: <laughs> so what this is is—is is it is? Um, I of course I wear. Two hearing aids, yeah, um, and uh, and this device allows me to connect wirelessly mm-hmm. to my hearing aids, and there's a, uh, a mini plug, a stereo mini jack yeah. that plugs into it. And uh, it, it has Bluetooth built into it the whole bit, you know. Wow. Thank heavens for the, the baby boomers because they're like, I want my iPhone. I'm, I'm losing my hearing. I want my iPhone. <laughs> Let's make America great again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so, so they have money. And, yeah. uh, and they're like, we will pay whatever we got to pay to get this awesome tech. Yeah. And, uh, and so the, the incredible uh, miniaturization mm-hmm. of hearing aids and still maintaining great power, great sound, Um, And this has uh, actually allowed me to explore uh, a whole new um, creative dimension Mm -hmm. uh, because I've been a a creative professional all my life. um, But this allowed me to step into something that I always thought was just like too – wooga wooga to to go into as a a hard of hearing person Um, and that was DJing Um, I started out as a VJ so I did I do visuals um, various projection mapping gigs and and whatnot. not and just a year and a half ago or so, uh, um, I I thought, oh, you know, let's let's try this DJ thing and see yeah. if we can do something with it. And what was funny was, so I had just finished teaching uh, a, a VJ class to Night Vision Music Academy, and uh, Andrew Williams was the guy who organized it. He's yep. a, a local EDM producer, and he's, his uh, brand Dunmore Park is doing amazing things, blowing up all over the place, and. Uh, and at the end of it, I I looked at him and I said, "Don't pay me. Why don't we do a skills exchange?" Mm-hmm. And because I've always wanted to learn how to DJ and it's been a bit of a, a mystery to me. Yeah. But I have to warn you, I'm deaf. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Ooh, challenge accepted." <laughs> right. And <laughs> uh, and so so he we spent the next few weeks yeah. sort of going through what it meant to to be a DJ. Yeah. Um I was able to use this this. Uh, tech necklace and uh
0: techless techless it's a (laughs) tech
1: okay fair enough uh i was every time you say
0: it it's five bucks (laughs) uh
1: and i i was able to plug right into the dj gear yeah And so I had a direct feed from the DJ output, the DJ gear output, into my hearing aids. And in those situations where I'm in a noisy club, I now have these very high-end monitors where I can turn off my hearing aid microphones and just hear what the mix is. So I can be literally in the mix, and I don't need any other monitors or any of that. Now... What I do as well yeah. is I, uh, I use the visuals because, of course, um, the power of, of some of the, the, the software that's out there now. Yeah. And most DJs are running off their laptops with uh, with MIDI controllers that they connect to. Yeah. and um, And that... Uh, as well is allowing me to kind of I don't know if you've ever seen the the film It's All Gone Pete Tong yeah but uh, yeah, there is that the kind of I, I'm not quite the flip flops on the, yeah. the the subs yeah. guy that's not quite <laughs> where I'm at but certainly you know he in there is a clip where where he's beat matching mm-hmm. to sound waves visually yeah and because I, he
0: goes yeah uh, deaf in the, in the he the does film. go
1: yeah, yeah he he goes completely deaf was that
0: the fubar guys. Who made oh, that? They made it, mean, the the previous movie. Was it the Fubar? I, th- I I think it was. Yeah. I think it Cause was. Cuz I think yeah. that like everybody loved Fubar and then they did All Gone P-Tom. Nobody knew what the fucking do with it cuz it was like <laughs> they are just, you know, now you're doing this artsy, <laughs> right? you know, intelligent-ish. Anyway, yeah.
1: It was a great film and yeah. uh and certainly one that I could I could relate to uh in uh certain ways because you know, honestly, when my hearing aid batteries die, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it's like, uh, especially when one dies and not the other, yeah. it's like that weird moment in, in the, the early versions of Star Trek where they go into an alternate universe and they all they do to create the effect is t- tilt the camera, <laughs> right? And, and that's what happens. Half the world disappears on me oh and gosh. I'm walking around and it's just like the most irritating thing and, and I'm like a crack addict. It's like, okay, come on, let's get a new battery in there and uh and so i have to like i i have packs of batteries mm-hmm. hidden all over the place so that because <laughs> i never know when it's gonna die yeah. right? it just sort of beeps in my ear and then croaks right so uh so i you know i try to make sure that i've always got something in my pocket and in my briefcase and in my desk and in my car and you know hide them on my children if i have to, <laughs> you know?
0: what do your daughters <laughs> think of your music and what did what did they say when you're like, "Daddy's gonna be a DJ"? And they're like, "Oh, why don't you just buy a Corvette?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, what's interesting is is um, they actually like to come out and party. Yeah, they they bring their friends to some shows, and in fact, um, Naomi last year asked me to DJ for her uh, for her design. Uh, faculty's uh, grad show, That's awesome. so I ended up doing their grad show yeah. after party, and uh, and it was very funny because all these um, these young who's that people guy? I want to meet him. Oh well, my god! Well, so well I, I don't know about that, but it was sure. <laughs> it was a, who's that old guy? And uh, and then they found out that uh, I was Naomi's dad, and yeah. so I had these people coming up going. I'm Naomi's friend. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, "Nice to meet you." Can you play then, "Informer" by
0: Snow? I, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> yeah. So your 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 children are mature. Mm-hmm. Did you get the empty nest thing that everybody talks about?
1: Oh well, <laughs> it it comes and goes. Yeah. Um, because um, we. We kind of uh, liked having, and we are enjoying the nest being emptied. Yeah, let yeah. me let me put some some context on sort of what happened right up until sort of the kids were were um, moving out. Yeah, we had a dog, a cat. Uh, I th- think another rodent of some sort. <laughs> um, we had uh, one of... A barn owl. One of the moms was, was living with us. We had um, my sister-in-law, uh, and we had the kids. And so, like, we had full house. Oh, and that, that, there was one summer where we were just sort of like... Exploded because we we took a fringe border as well. Holy crap! And um, it was one of those situations where uh, I forgot to tell the fringe that I couldn't do a border because I had a full house. Yeah. And the poor guy, like we like put a bed in a corner by the furnace, and he was like, "Ah, oh, I'm good. Yeah, I'll, I'll stay here." I was like, "Okay, dude. Uh, yeah. If if, they, if you're good with these lodgings, I'm really sorry about this situation. It wasn't quite that bad, but you yeah. know, it was. It was still sort of. He, we weren't able to give him an actual room. He'd yeah." Yeah. had a portion of the basement that was uh, still private enough, and he had his, uh, his own bathroom. And yeah. whatnot. So it was fine. But, you know, in a four-bedroom house, Holy crap. two bathrooms, you know, it was pretty pretty live. Yeah. And yeah. so right after that, uh, our youngest moved out, moved to Jasper for a year, yeah. and yeah. everybody left.
0: Oh, my gosh. So you went from like this cacophony Six to... people yeah.
1: living with us to— uh, two. Wow. And, and some unknown rodent that was... Well, yeah. We think it's... <laughs> stealing your smokes. Uh, yeah, somewhere in there. <laughs> and so, uh, so, yeah, it was kind of... It was great. And then yeah. we always told the kids that, you know, uh, if you're in school... You can always live at home to save money on, mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. Uh, rent, that sort of thing. So our youngest moved back in, and uh, now she's starting. she graduated uh, recently, and now she's starting to explore kind of how she transitions out into yeah, yeah. adulting again. But I've I mean, done she's... that
0: four times. I'm really good at it. <coughs> good
1: <for you. laughs> yeah, I'm a grown man. <laughs> uh, Ish. I'm still working on it. Yeah, man. Totally. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> But, but yeah, no, I it, it, the the empty nest thing is is honestly, yeah, uh, it if some people really struggle with it. Pam and I not not so yeah. much.
2: New to the Alberta Podcast Network is the Otherwise Podcast. Otherwise is a variety podcast dedicated to empowering diverse communities living on Treaty 6 territory by sharing their stories and experiences. In their introductory episode, Ahmed Ali and Krintang explain the who, what, where and why's of Otherwise. Check them out at otherwiseshow.com.
0: I'm at the stage now where I'm. Uh, my kids are still very young, uh, mm-hmm. four and one. Uh, and you, you, there's sometimes where you want to be alone, but I have that thing in the back of my head. It's like, no, this is something you're always going to look back on and regret not taking advantage of. Because my daughter's at that just wonderful age, right before she can speak, so she's still saying all this this cute stuff. And my son, who's four, is just asking all these questions, like really, really getting involved in the world, so to mm-hmm. speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I was asking about that because I'm like I keep reminding myself that this is a time in my life that I need to not celebrate but I need to be involved in I need to be present in it mm-hmm. to, in order to take advantage of it well and
1: and what's interesting for us is is uh, to be honest, I'm really enjoying getting to know my kids as adults
0: they're transitioning and, into your friends uh, exactly yeah.
1: and and we we go for brunch and we Talk about grown-up stuff, and yeah. and we work through peer peer-related things, and yeah. and and I, you know, I I am really fortunate that I I have a couple of kids who I admire and respect, and uh and of course you love them because mm-hmm. you're, you're they're your kids. You're but, biased, but yeah. <laughs> there's also this sort of desire to to uh, be around them yeah. and celebrate their life with them, but. Uh, for them to like hold themselves back by living at home still or or mm-hmm. being in the family in, in the the previous way it, it is denying them mm-hmm. the opportunity to to really grow and develop and become the the human beings that they've done that, that, that grade before they don't need to keep doing that grade exactly keep, yeah exactly yeah. and so so you know it's it's an exciting time as they transition into this this world and and um, my wife Pam is already talking about grandchildren and I'm like okay stop <laughs> I'm a DJ
0: <laughs> you have your DJ I want my grandchildren right yes <laughs> I want to beat mix with the kids I want to free the freak I want the freaky flow of the children running around I want to stuff them full of cookies oh, oh
1: that was funny yeah. so I uh, I had a, a a preview of this experience uh, recently at the rec room because yeah. I was DJing. I, I was doing actually a, it was a, a video dance party, mm-hmm. so I was doing both video and uh, and DJ stuff. And uh, and I, we started at nine. And usually there's like people around that are still families and things. Mm-hmm. Well, I start playing, and these like seven year olds all rush to the dance floor going crazy over this you know the the latest top 40 hip-hop stuff that i was playing and and they were they were just having a blast and i'm like is this my future (laughs) (laughs) dj grandpa yeah right i I was getting i I was like dj dad for a while and now i'm like oh boy boy. (laughs) here we go
0: (laughs) did you yell at them to get off your dance floor
1: is that oh, no. what DJ grandpa would say? <laughs> <laughs> Take off your <laughs> shoes. <laughs> Don't scuff my floor. I polish this myself. Stop grinding. Stop
0: grinding. <laughs> grinding. <laughs> yeah. Dry humping's enough. And if it's not enough, you're not doing it right. This has been brought to you by John Elway. For you, the, the transition, it seems like you're always having to be a, an adaptive person um, because of... What you've gone through, especially earlier in life with people not believing that you were deaf because mm-hmm. of your ability to adapt so well. Mm-hmm. It seems like you always lived in this gray area. What got you into the digital, digital arts college? Was it guru yeah, digital it was guru. arts before so that? It started at,
1: well. So here's what happened I had a successful career as, a, as an actor. I yeah. lived in Toronto for a number of years, and uh, I, so I graduated college. I went to the McEwen program and, yeah. and graduated. Moved immediately to Toronto. A friend invited me out, started doing shows. Amusingly, graduating from a musical theater program, mm-hmm. my very first gig in Toronto was with a, a sign language theater company. Okay. I was like, okay. <laughs> but they yeah. dangled the equity card in oh, front of me. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Okay, yeah.
2: <laughs> but the price Get I had paid. to
1: pay for that was yeah. I had three weeks to learn all of the, the the show and sign language.
0: Did they assume that you knew sign languages? They, uh, asked. or was that just a coincidence? Just a it, coincidence.
1: It, it was. Well, it was. Um, I had met, and uh, so one of my sort of part-time jobs that many Toronto actors have mm-hmm. is uh, um, was working at a place called His Majesty's Feast okay. back in the day, <laughs> and yes, it was. Very similar to the um, what was that? Medieval the Jim Carrey. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> no, yeah, 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 Jim yeah, Carrey movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you got a you got a leg of chicken, a side of ribs. Cable um, Guy, I think it was. Yeah, Cable Guy. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. Um, not quite the violent yeah. version of that, but it was a, kind of a musical theater version of, of that. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so I met this actress who uh, had worked with this uh, theater company, so yeah. a show of hands, and she said, "Hey, you're deaf." I was like, "Yeah." You're like what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're like, "Fuck and, you. and she said, "There's this company that I used to, that I worked with once. Yeah. I was a hearing actress for them, um, and they're they're looking for actors." To, to be in their show. And the cast was made up of two deaf actors, a hard-of-hearing actor, mm-hmm. uh, and two hearing actors. Okay, So it was kind of an interesting mix of various stages of, of hearing, of various levels of hearing. And um, But one of the things that, that had to be done was in order for me to play the role, I was uh, more on the deaf side of, of hard-of-hearing rather than the hearing side. Gotcha. Um, and so the... Um, the thing that had to happen was was I needed to learn sign language, mm-hmm. and so um <laughs> the uh, uh i I was raised in the traditional um improv uh world theater sports, that sort of thing with mm-hmm. theater network and those, and you always say, yes let's mm-hmm. so uh they said to me can you can you learn sign language i said Yes, let's. And uh, and so I was like, okay. They're like, no, we already know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna teach you. We from Edmonton. So, so <laughs> the very first rehearsal, yep. they they taught me uh, the alphabet. Uh, followed immediately so I could at least fingerspell my words. Yeah. And then the second most important for, thing for me to learn was how to swear. Yeah. And so, of course, I got am... all the, the curses out. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then we started to learn uh, the sign language. And, and most of it was I was learning it in context with the lines that I had to memorize. So okay. it was kind of a mix of, uh, of memorization of the, the lines themselves, as well as, as the choreography. I, it was almost like a choreography of the hands at first yeah. because I just needed to, to learn how to, and eventually I assigned the, the, the signs, if you will, mm-hmm. to individual words and built up my vocabulary and those sorts of things. Um, but what was interesting was, because it was a choreography of the hands, I would start to move in a way that was more expressive and, and more choreographic. Mm-hmm. Well, for the deaf, they want sign language needs to uh, happen in a TV, television box because so much of, of the sign has a facial uh, context go with it. Yeah. So the emotion of, of a particular word is characterized by the, the expression on your face. Mm-hmm. Well, I get into the, the sign and I'd be like signing way out here. Yeah. And the deaf actors would be sitting in the audience watching me rant away and they right. put their hands over their ears. <laughs> because I was yelling a little too loud uh, gotcha, yeah, and so so that was it' was been that was all in the 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 Growth and exploration of, of being part of this thing. Then we toured all over Ontario with this show.
0: Un, it's it's unterrible. Un un terrible terrible
1: un terrible. Yeah. yeah. Um. And uh, <laughs> I I caught the bus back from Thunder Bay to Toronto, and I know exactly how unterrible that is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because I Thunder thought, oh, tough. It's a tough Bay is tough. Thunder Bay to uh, Toronto. It's yeah. like Edmonton to Calgary. Mm-hmm. Nope. It's like half of Canada. Yeah, and I happened to get on the bus in Thunder Bay with a guy who had been on the bus since Vancouver and smelled like <laughs> he had been on the bus since Vancouver. Don't go in the bathroom. <laughs> right? <Totally. laughs> I ruined it. <laughs> I ruined it. And it in was Winnipeg. An <laughs> trip. So, dude decides he's sitting in the the seat behind me, yeah. and he decides that he's you know needs to get comfortable and takes his boots off.
0: Holy. Right, and
1: it was just torture the whole
0: way back. Where, how did you replenish your electrolytes after (laughs) vomiting that much? When you, so did your, did your family ever coddle you because of your deafness? Like, did they ever? Because it doesn't sound like you were ever. No. no. Yeah. So when you said you want, I want to be an actor. What was their response to that? Well,
1: so interestingly enough, my my parents were amazing at at saying, um, you can be whatever you want to be. Mm -hmm. You will have to work hard for it. Mm -hmm. But if you work hard for it, that is something you really want to do. Mm -hmm. And you'll know. Right. And they they did all kinds of great stuff. You know, as a kid, I I learned to play guitar until mm-hmm. I got bored with that. And I played drums until I got bored with that. And I got into. Uh, I, in fact, I, I my my parents, we were living on the, the West Coast and, and uh, my mom was concerned about me ending up in the water and, and drowning. Mm hmm wonder why you know and so she (laughs) insisted that i go learn to swim so i i learned to swim and and love that um got over my fear and and eventually i ended up with a bronze medallion bronze cross sort of and and i was headed towards being a lifeguard yeah yeah. and uh and my parents were like "Hmm, lifeguard hearing aids water Okay, well, you'll figure it out. Ooh, you only have <laughs> yeah. to hear the yell once, right? And then when you dive in. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. but oh, they're usually going to – they're pretty expensive to replace, And, for sure. and so their attitude always was mm-hmm. be prepared to work for it. So uh, one day I came home and said, I want to do these uh, this acting thing. And it started out in junior high as sort of uh, fooling around in in drama. Mm-hmm. But one day I had the opportunity to audition for the Grant McEwen Theatre Conservatory. Oh, my gosh. And, Where and is I, that?
0: Is that in town here? <laughs> it? I've heard many words about it. They were all good words. Well, it,
1: was, uh, it was run by Mark Schoenberg, who was a, a very early uh, – I think he created – Phoenix Theatre? Oh, boy. My Canadian theatre history is fading on me. Is
0: Phoenix the one that used to do the reenactments of Star Trek on stage? I think so, yeah. 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 That's and, like, uh, that is like awesome uh, and, history. But anyways,
1: yeah. he, he started, uh, and he was working with these young actors, and, and he ran this thing out of the, the, the basement of, of the the Orange Hub now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I auditioned and, and got in, and, and it was a uh, You paid your monthly acting class fee. Okay. And my parents went, <gasps> no. <laughs> you don't pay to play in this house. Right. And, yeah. and it was fine when it was in junior high, but hmm. And so they, they came to me with a proposal. They said, um, if you really want to do this, yeah. then you should pay for it yourself. You need to go get a, a job. Mm-hmm. And make the money and pay for the the, the class and. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was a 13, 14-year-old kid, needed to figure out what I was going to, how am I going to make money as a 14-year-old? Well, at the time, it was delivering papers. Yeah. And so I I was a, a paper delivery kid and did the Edmonton Journal after school and uh, made enough money to take my acting classes, ended up continuing with that, and a couple of years later, auditioned for a show for the CBC, got the part, and suddenly I was making actor wages and my dad's. Stopped harassing me ever <laughs> again. That was the only time I made that kind of money. But you know, yeah. uh, ultimately, it was it was uh, it was really great. And and it, you know, it sort of, uh, it allowed my parents to say, "Okay, you're serious about this." Yeah, yeah and yeah. it allowed me to say, "You're serious about this." Mm-hmm. Because if if you really want to do something, you will do what you need to do mm-hmm. in order to to have have that thing. But, mm-hmm. Um, and as a as a kid my parents they did you know they weren't they were great advocates. Yeah. And there's a big difference we, we hear about these terms like helicopter parents yeah. and lawnmower parents now. Yeah. Um, What's a lawnmower parent? Oh, that's a new term. So helicopter parents they, they're the ones that kind of hover yeah, around yeah, yeah. and well lawnmower parents are actually people that go in and mow down any of the obstacles that their kids might face to the point where there are colleges and universities in the United States where parents are phoning up the college or university impersonating their children in order to have find out uh the in in ways and the you know the secret passages to to get into the school right that now there's one thing for advocacy it's quite another oh. to do the work for your kid You're- Right.
0: basically fucking your kid up before oh, they get totally. a chance to fuck themselves up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so so needless to say, my my parents were really great. I'm at, shaking my head. You can't hear it, but I'm, sh- I'm shaking, <laughs> shaking
0: the, shit the shit out of my
1: head. <laughs> um, the, um, my parents were really great at advocating. So anytime mm-hmm. there was a um, injustice, they would, they would help. Yeah. Uh, but by the same token, they would always encourage me to tackle my own battles yeah. and overcome my own obstacles because my mom looked at me and said, I never want to see you using your hearing impairment mm-hmm. as a crutch. Mm-hmm. It's fine if you're, you know, you're dealing with a reality of what it means to be a deaf yeah. person, yeah. but never, ever use it as an excuse. Yeah and you know that that stuck with me and and now here i am one of the the scariest things i've i've done yeah. recently was to to start djing yeah. and we talked about that and yeah. and it was it was i mean it was fine to do it in a studio and you're kind of goofing around without talk, an audience but exactly people, the yeah. second i had to go do a performance yeah. was suddenly okay this is really it and Am I fooling myself into thinking I'm actually good? How did good? that
0: performance go? How did, like, were you? Of course, you're nervous. Uh, maybe excited. But this is something that that you'd probably thought about, or maybe even thought that you would never be
1: able to do. I never thought I'd be able to do it.
0: So, anyway. how did it go? Tell me about it.
1: Well, it was really interesting because uh, it it was at a uh, a bar called the Rocky Mountain Ice House, and I know uh, I see. and uh, it it was close to the college and mm-hmm. and i was hanging out and talking to the owner and and uh, he said well, well we'll audition you you know you come in saturday night and i'm looking for somebody to kind of do a saturday night gig and and so it was relatively low stakes you know it was, yeah. it was and and that's one of the things about taking a risk is you want to do risk taking that's realistic right mm-hmm. if you have a little failure you can kind of recover from that you know if you set yourself up for a big failure and mm-hmm. you're not ready for it mm-hmm. then that's a bit traumatizing and and having done those kinds of things in my past i, I knew that i could sort of manage realistic like expectations this. realistic exp- absolutely yeah. Yeah. and so um so i thought oh, yeah sure i'll come in and i'll i'll, I'll do this the gig. And <laughs> I did the gig. I guess I did okay because he said, so you're coming back next week. Nice. I said, okay. Yeah. And then uh, about a month later, he's like, so I need you every Saturday. Yeah. And so it's been kind of this growing thing where I've just been able to develop uh, and, uh, and you know, I, I, I play different styles different, and yeah. different forms and, and I'm certainly not as developed as my other younger uh, DJ counterparts who've been DJing for 15 years, they've just been doing and they're it longer. Yeah, in their yeah. 30s, yeah. right? Yeah. and I'm, you know, 50, and I'm a year and a half old when, yeah. in DJ years, right? So, so it's it's kind of an interesting world to be in, where I have this like I'm an 80s baby, yeah. so I have this very rich Depeche musical knot. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, and 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 when you know when my my dear friends talk about new disco i'm like new disco okay (laughs) sure it's just new performance doing disco great why, knew, but whatever. So, so you know these these beautiful EDM genres that are you know fragmenting all over the place, and mm-hmm. we have everything from uh, from what I consider house music, and now we've got nine hundred variations of house music. Mm-hmm. You know that that and and realizing that the subtle nuances that are in there are mm-hmm. sometimes uh, simply a key change or a, a, a backbeat rhythm that that is in there mm-hmm. that defines that entire genre. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like, well, okay, it's still, you know, I'm, I'm Billy Joeling it a bit, but, yeah. you know, it's still rock and roll to me, you yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> wow, he's old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: This month, the Well Endowed Podcast is trying something new. Instead of just one episode for September, they are going to post a new show every week. This week, they are talking about the Edmonton Community Development Company, and a new development they are planning for the Alberta Avenue neighborhood. Then we're going to touch base with Nadir Belamor about New Eat Blanche, an all-night art party right here in downtown Edmonton. Visit them at the podcast.com.
0: Uh, we touched on this, and then we—I probably asked a question, and we went somewhere else. But guru to what you're doing now at the uh, the Digital Arts College. Mm-hmm. How do you? It's just another form of, in a weird way, parenting. In a weird way, where you're overlooking the education, and but they're paying you, so it's a little different. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything transferable there between what you learned as a parent to overseeing some Absolutely. of the— Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Well, and and so. Uh, theater school, sorry, theater school mm-hmm. uh, taught me tons about mentorship, mm-hmm. about uh, coaching, um, about emotional commitment, and as well emotional distance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, growing up in theater allowed me some great parenting skills, mm-hmm. um, having great parents. Mm-hmm. Allowed me some great parenting skills. Bringing that into the school is um, uh, one of the things that that has been incredibly powerful. Is uh, this this helping the the faculty develop an understanding of how trust works and how you are constantly investing in a trust triangle, right? Mm-hmm. And trust is really just um, you choose to trust somebody, you take a risk on them, and there's a payoff. And if that payoff is greater than the risk, then your trust grows a little bit, mm-hmm. right? And you just keep working that cycle. And sometimes you hit a, a bit of a stasis uh, or sometimes you know that particular trust triangle will decrease a bit um, and all kinds of interesting kind of dimensions, and and understanding how to use that in your relationship with your 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 students is incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. And so, um, bringing the certain, yeah, there's a certain amount of parenting. And interestingly enough. Um, Later in life, with with Molly, my my youngest, mm-hmm. she she struggled with some very uh, intense uh, mental health challenges. Okay, um, and that's something we're seeing more and more and more. People are yeah.
0: it's people are talking about it now. It's not yes. this, yeah. this
1: shady thing. It's like right, everybody has, everybody does now, and that's
0: yeah. yeah, like thank God for baby boomers. Right, right. absolutely, totally. Yeah, now everybody's talking about how hard it is to have a brain, which is which everybody should be
1: talking and. And so, one of the things that came up in in our work with with Molly uh, was this idea of connection before correction. Hmm. And uh, it was it, it was a slide in one of these mental health uh, presentations that, because it's, uh, we needed to learn how to help our our teenage daughter work through this stuff as parents, and and so. That phrase was, resonated like a gong for me because it just says, oh, okay. And it came back to the trust thing, is mm-hmm. if you trust someone, you're going to be more willing to do something that you're not comfortable doing. Mm-hmm. And so as a coach, when I was learning to swim, I needed to have someone who understood me and where I was at As a a hard of hearing kid, so that when they're yelling at you in the swimming pool, I know what's going on. And so I needed some very special teachers in my life to help me learn how to swim mm-hmm. otherwise. Because the the very first time I ever went to a swimming class, it was incredibly traumatic, and it was a young swimming instructor who really didn't understand the the needs, of, the special needs of a, of a hard-of-hearing person. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I was just thrown in with all these other kids because I was all those other kids, you know, for all intents and purposes. But being without my hearing aids... Suddenly, was disorienting, yep. and and so so understanding that that need for connection mm-hmm. before you can do anything to help your student learn something was gigantic, and and even you know helping your relationship with your teenage daughter, mm-hmm. right, and and being able to to communicate uh, an idea that might they might not agree with, you know, it's like you don't know what you're talking about. Well. Mm-hmm. If you trust me, you might listen and, yeah. and we can keep working on the connection part. And then eventually we can move to – what I see sometimes is, is people have fake connections, mm-hmm. right? That trust doesn't actually exist. There's stasis where yeah. there's, there's no emotional investment and nobody's yelling at each other. But there's no trust. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, I think, you know, our school system it has a little bit of that because advocacy by parents has started to turn into litigation challenges where students are not uh, – the, the trust relationship between a teacher and a student mm-hmm. is always in question. And if a teacher is asking a student to do something that they don't want to do or are uncomfortable with mm-hmm. – uh, that turns into oh well, what's the teacher doing, and are they manipulating, and are they do, are they nefarious in some way? Mm-hmm. And and in some cases, that's what's going on. And it, but most of the time, um, in some other times, the uh, the teacher is just trying to create what I call learning friction, mm-hmm. right? And learning friction is when uh, when it's kind of like uh, a, a standard. Gear you know, when you're driving a standard mm-hmm. you' you're neutral and you're not doing much, the engine's running. but if you try and engage at fifth gear or a mm-hmm. third gear, you're gonna grind and stall, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to as an educator, you need to connect at the right gear in order to move the student forward mm-hmm. right um, and so we as a faculty at at the school, we talk a lot about, Learning friction, we talk a lot about this other thing I call pedagogical damage because we are inheriting students who have gone through some incredible trauma. And they don't trust the pedagogy, Mm -hmm. right? They don't trust the learning system Mm -hmm. to be there for them. And so, you know... (laughs) It's one thing to engage a student in, in first gear. It's quite another to have to deal with them when they got the parking brake on. You know, it's like yeah. we're not going anywhere until yeah. we deal with this stuff, yeah. right? Um, but if we can get them to the place where they start to trust us, yeah. then we can really start to, to do some magical things. And uh, and so that's part of our, our assessment, part of our you know um, very first classes is, is figuring out Can we create the necessary learning friction to get you moving forward so that by the end of – because all we have is 10 months with these people. Oh, yeah. And we we cover – about two years of regular postsecondary. In fact, we we have the academic credit hours that is equivalent to two years of a diploma program in another oh, school. Crap. So it is it's like summer school for ten. And months. you
0: need to get them there. This we isn't. Have a, to. Yeah.
1: It, it, oh, the the government holds us responsible yeah. for that. We we're not allowed to accept. So the way it works is is uh, of all the students that we accept. We must graduate 70% of those students, yeah. and 70% of those who graduate must be working in the industry or related field uh, within three to six months Holy after crap. graduation. So we're held to a higher standard than even the public post-secondaries are. So we're, we're a private post-secondary. Yeah. And you know, there's, we're a bit of an anomaly because we operate creative professional programs that and most other schools wouldn't take the risk on, you know. It's like, uh, oh, is there a guaranteed job out there? No. Let's run that program, right? But I'm running video game design diplomas, right? Yeah. It's like, well, that's one of the most challenging industries to break into. Yeah. But you, I also want to connect with these, these people who aren't being served properly right now. No. And would probably just go be a, uh, a barista or something and, yeah. and toil away not really exploring their potential, uh-huh. right? And even if they go through the video game design program and end up coming out the other end and, and they take a, a bread and butter job, yeah. right, where they use the skills we were able to give them and bring it into uh, I- into something that, that is, you know, a little less glamorous mm-hmm. – at least they're at least they're doing something interesting with that. They at right?
0: least they're getting their investment payoff. Totally. You brought something over there. I did. Then what, what what is what 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 is
1: it? What is that? What does that thing do? Uh, this is a a little MIDI controller keyboard. Yeah. That um I use to uh to control um video. Yeah. As well as I can use it to control music and audio sound. Yeah. Um and you told me to bring something that reminded me of my kids. Yes. So here's why. Okay. This reminds me of my kids. Number one, because uh, my oldest daughter, Naomi, yeah. uh, said, I'm going to a party where we all have to dress up as our dad. I was like, okay. So she's like, so can I wear your Star Wars T-shirt? <laughs> and uh, and yeah, can I take your MIDI keyboard? I was like, yeah, sure. Cool. Awesome. So she, she went off to this party, and, and she was one of the kids wearing a Star Wars T-shirt. And I think she took headphones because, you know, it didn't – this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. Right? She was, wasn't about to take my hearing aids. Yeah. That would have been weird. <laughs> um, and uh, and so, you know, uh, so that was that. Um, and my youngest, Molly, uh, is – she's always helping me understand sort of trends in music contemporary music we yeah you gotta listen to you know whoever and and so so this is uh, a MIDI interface I suppose as a representation of of my connection with my kids right yeah, yeah. It is because we we share music. We uh we share a love for design. We share a love for nerdy electronic things. I'm way more nerdy than they are. They'll yeah. hate me if I call them a nerd. You know. They're, sort of not They're not nerds. They're not nerds. They're nerds. Nerds.
0: This was something where I just put out into the universe. Mm-hmm. I needed someone on my show. Mm-hmm. I needed to talk to somebody. And I'm so lucky and thankful that you, because I've been. I'm have we, known each you. other for. 500 years, <laughs> Uh probably about 10 years, I think. I don't remember when we something. first met. Well,
1: I remember seeing you the very first time at that funny little bar on the south side that you were doing stand-up or something along those lines. It was- The Wonder Bar? The Wonder Bar. Okay. And I think you had just moved here. Okay. And I think that was one of the very first times we met.
0: Okay. Cool. I think. Yeah, that was I about think. 14, yeah. 13 years ago. Wow. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Um, but, uh, I remember meeting you at the expo and it's, I never realized that you had, I had, you had a hearing problem. I had no idea. Good job,
1: man. Thanks. Yeah. Eh, fake it till you make it.
0: <laughs> That's right. Are you going to the expo this year?
1: Uh, we're hoping to. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're working on getting a table and, uh, um, I mean, it's, it's our, it's our people. Yeah. Right. So of course we, we've been, uh, we've had the school at the expo many years. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I I've occasionally cosplayed a little bit, but yeah. you know, thank goodness for the latest Star Wars that came out because now I kind of look like old Luke. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Like yeah I can, I can kind of pull that yeah. that look off a little. Yeah. Um, so I can't I can't do anything else, but I can certainly do old Luke.
0: Cool. So. <laughs> I'm actually I'm a, I have a panel there this year oh, called uh, How to Be a Critic. Nice. Uh, myself, uh, Fonda Mithrush, and Christian Zip are going to be the oh, panelists excellent. there. And it's uh, Friday night at 8 o'clock in Room 101. Um, but uh, the reason I wanted to do it was because talking to a lot of people, talking to people like yourself and everybody, I'm always surprised at people's opinions on things not Mm. that they're different from mine but how defined people's opinions can be about something they love Mm. and you brought up star wars Mm -hmm. and i was trying to figure out why people were so upset about the new star wars now there's all this crap about you know uh, men's rights and all this stupid shit Mm. but there's people out there that actually and i've met people that just don't like it and in my head i'm like Mm -hmm. you're pissed off about you know uh the the last Jedi and the and the in the previous one, but you're not pissed off about Jar Jar Binks, like you're not pissed. How how does that how does this anger trump that anger? Because those were terrible (laughs) movies, like actually (laughs) terrible movies. And I realized that's what. So that's why I thought about the panel. That's why I thought about the expo. And that's why I thought about being a critic. And being a critic is thinking about. Mm -hmm. how you feel, not just feeling it and expecting somebody to bend to your will. So that's why I thought about that. And what you, why why that sort of triggered that in my head is because I thought I knew you. I thought I knew who you were, Uh right? But I had no idea that you had a hearing problem, right? Not a problem, that's the shittiest way to put it. You have a hearing, whatever the hell. It
1: it is a condition that that I've lived with my entire life. Exactly. And Uh, And part of the realization is uh, 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 helping, especially as an educator, helping people understand what is the raw material of who you are. Mm -hmm. Stop pretending to be something you're not. Mm -hmm. Celebrate what you are. Do what you can to become what you aspire to be. But, you know, I I lived a number of years sort of being quietly, secretly ashamed of being hard of hearing. Hiding yeah. because I wanted to be a normal kid, right? right? And I, I, I'm using air quotes around normal because yeah. I, I was normal, yeah, and, and, exactly. And just, yeah. and so you know, uh, it wasn't until later in life that I really embraced the fact. Yeah, I'm deaf. Yeah, I'm, and and I kind of went the opposite direction <laughs> with it. It was like, I'm not hard of hearing. I'm deaf. And Let's you start have ex- there and work back. And because
0: of that, I maybe, and stop me if I'm wrong, that might have pushed you to excel more at certain things than somebody who just feels like, well, I'm entitled to it. Like, I I came out of uh, the Grant McEwen, give me my jobs. Right. Come and give me the jobs, give oh, me the work. Yeah, yeah.
1: that's the... <laughs> and I think y- that's what learned. we're in the throes of a
0: little bit right oh, now. It, I was told it, I could be a fire truck, yeah, and yeah. I can't be a fire truck. How yeah. dare you?
1: Right? Yeah, absolutely. and. And that's part of the the, the challenge that parents face mm-hmm. is how do you empower your kids without uh, creating that sense of entitlement? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you, you know, our, our, our education system kind of sets up the, hey, do your degree program. When you get your degree, you will be the whatever mm-hmm. it is. And
0: then you can pay us
1: back. Right. You can pay us back. But mm-hmm. you get to go be that thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And – the realization that no the world owes you nothing exactly and the world uh, is indifferent so indifferent it, it is yeah. and so so you know it's funny i want to connect this back to star wars cuz yeah. i like talking about star do wars do
0: it do it
1: so the um the the thing for me in the star wars sequence is i was there in 77 yeah it was i won the the halloween contest and my grade three teacher said you get to go to no. I think it was grade four or five somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. Anyways uh, said you get to go to whatever movie you want and take your best friend and I'll take you. It was like Star Wars best friend teacher (laughs) away we go (laughs) and uh, and it was a magical movie. It was gigantic and I think uh, there are Gigantic magical movies for kids yeah. at that age, at, at nine, eight, nine, ten. Right? Yeah. But they'll find them. All we got to do is make them. Yeah. Right? Now, every single film, Star Wars related film that's come out after that, yeah. uh, has been, I've had to put myself back in that place of being that little kid mm-hmm. and allowing some magical things to happen. Toxic nostalgia. I've gone back yeah. and I loved. I love my Lunchtime Spider Man.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Right? I go back and watch it now, worst animation ever. It is the same clip yeah. of Spidey swinging through yeah. some generic high-rise buildings yeah. with just different trippy backgrounds yeah. and some funky bongo music yeah. for about 10 minutes straight. Yeah. And as a an eight-year-old kid, you're like, yeah, eating your lunch, having a great time watching Spidey swing through the... D-. And then you get some voiceover actors and they, you know, uh, Parker, you know, that yeah. kind of thing happens. And, and but, but man, that was like, it was crappy animation. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. So getting back to context and mm-hmm. understanding just take what you got mm-hmm. make something interesting don't worry about whether it fits the canon or not mm-hmm. right do cool stuff mm-hmm. and see what see what the world gives you back mm-hmm. the world owes you nothing so you that is both uh that is such a liberating statement mm-hmm. right it's now I owe the world nothing, mm-hmm. and the world owes me nothing. Now I'm free to do whatever though Now I know where I want. am in
0: this relationship. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And I can do what I want. Yeah. And it might work. It might not. Yeah. So what? Yeah, do yeah. it.
0: Owen, this has been awesome. Hmm? Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, but before we go, uh, one, i got to get you to introduce yourself for the start okay. of the show. Just sure. I'm blah, blah, blah. I blah, blah, blah. And I blah, blah, blah. <laughs> In that order. I am blah, blah, blah. You can't say blah, 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 blah,
1: though. From blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 moon. You can sing Blah, 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 blah.
0: I'd like to thank Andrew Paul for producing this episode. I'd also like to thank the Edmonton Community Foundation for the recording space and the support. I'd also also like to thank Nathaniel Sutton of Brother Octopus slash... Defend the rhino slash whatever it is the heck he's working on for the intro music. You can find me at theundad.com or online at the undad on Twitter or just type in theundad on Facebook. Or you can email me at Trent at thetrentwilkie.com. Or you can just see me on the street and give me a way too long hug.